So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Alltag, and thanks as always to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Aura, and Mighty. Now my guest this week is Ian Blair. Now Ian's got a 20-year career in law enforcement and retail risk management, known for implementing successful loss prevention initiatives that together have saved millions of dollars for a variety of retail trains across Australia. More on those chains in a moment. Now, currently Ian leads Correlate Risk Group, involved in providing retail risk and loss prevention solutions, again, into the retail and hospitality sectors. He established Correlate Risk Group after identifying that many small retail chains and franchises were facing significant risk uh, of theft and violence towards their team, yet had limited or no access to retail risk skill sets. Many people will be listening thinking, yes, that's me. So, Ian, welcome. Thanks, Paul. Uh, pleasure to be here. I appreciate the offer to come on board. No, it's great, great to have you involved. Now, Ian, before we get going, just to, you've got a really uh, varied uh, CV and background. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit more. But when young Ian was was sat in his short trousers at school, what 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 was the actual intended career out of interest? Because you've done police, you've done retail, and we'll come on to all of that. But but what what was the dream as a as a youngster? Uh, funnily enough, the dream was police. Okay. Um, always, always wanted to get in, you know, keen on helping people, uh, etc. Um, and, you know, look, it, it took me a while to get back to that eventually. I've you know, done a number of different uh, different roles, but having got back into the police and then through into the, you know, the detective side of things and getting into that more senior serious crime and particularly fraud, um, I, I found a penchant for wanting to, to play in this world, right? The challenges were there. Um, I love playing with data and using that to um, to identify crooks and, and prevent them. So that's that was the long-term goal was, was okay. policing. Um, although I, I think policing's got a, uh, a finite career path um, to it. Um, you know, it came with a change from leaving New Zealand, coming to Australia. Um, and the career path here actually was interestingly not police, it was consulting, um, as in big four, right? So staying with that fraud investigation lens, uh, but with the likes of Deloitte's or KPMG, et cetera. Um, and uh, ironically, here I am consulting, uh, just not with a big four. So um, it's, it's kind of worked out in the end. So, I mean, you, you did that long stint in the police. You sort of fulfilled that, uh, that that childhood ambitions, if that's the right word. How did you make the the jump? And maybe, you know, many people know your, uh, your, your, your sort of uh, big roles within Australian retail but how did you make that jump from the police across to that first retail uh, position if you like? Well actually uh, when I came across uh, my intent uh, and I'd lined up uh, drummed up a lot of interest with that sort of big four consulting that was the, the career path as I mentioned and then um, this opportunity came up with uh, with Woolworths Group um, and it was the quirkiest interview I've I've ever had. It was with a machine. There was no person on the end of it. Oh, okay. It was just a blank screen. It was a bit, a bit like me looking at my the, my picture on the screen here. There was no visual cues, no feedback. I found it really challenging. And I, I went through this interview process and said to myself, well, I've lost that one. Uh, that was the worst interview I've ever given. Um, and uh, ironically, um, apparently smashed it. And uh, that role <laughs> was investigated with, uh, with Woolworths Group. And then... I kind of said, look, it gets me over the ditch. Uh, it's not where I wanted to be. I wanted to be, you know, in the cut and thrust of it with Sydney, um, with with the big four. Uh, and then uh, it just happened that again and again, I kept getting opportunities to step up and, and solve for problems that the Woolworths group had, whether it was in group risk and investigations, um, solving then for, for their online fraud uh, or stepping across into the retail side. And I got heavily into data and analytics um, and, and sort of leading those lost functions. It just 
the group was fantastic for me because I just kept getting more and more opportunities to step up and learn and, and deliver. Um, and that's that's kind of how it was. It was just put your best foot forward, have a crack. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely I think underlining that was a, a desire to play with data uh, has been a, a big key successor for me. And it's interesting. I, I think you must be one of the few people. It's always, if you like, the sort of the, the nirvana of, uh, of of experience. But you've done e-com as well as the data, as well as the store. So you've got that broad mix. And I know the bad guys and girls, you know, they don't care which channel they they defraud a, a retailer from. But from one of the good guys, you know, you've got experience of, of all of the channels. And that's quite unusual that, that you manage to sort of move between those. Yeah, well, I think that's the beauty of, of sometimes working for a group like that um, is, is you can seek out and find those opportunities to to learn one of those verticals. Um, in fact, I even go so far as you know, I, I did some some work in supply chain as well, um, particularly within my last role with Big, Big W on the, the general merch side. So yeah, look, it is it's unique, but that really sets me up really well now because I, I don't have one sole uh, client focus, right? Whether it's retail core that's helping with an online uh, fraud problem that they've got returns fraud and store theft and store internal um, corporate security site risk doesn't matter the vertical um, I've got a good solid background to leverage to um, to help me deliver with them you'd, you'd make a great criminal actually and you've got to, you've got a broad range of skills there well it's, it's quite funny actually um, I, I actually looking back I think a lot of the way or a lot of the reasons I've had success is in leveraging the work I did back when I was in the fraud squad in the police. I don't know how many criminal interviews I, I partook in, right, where I was interviewing these people, but I really got to understand how they think. Um, and it's not complex, right? Um, but understanding it is, is being key to seeing the flip side and going, well, what will then deter them once you get into that retail environment or that online offer? What is it that makes it, oh, this is too hard, we'll find a different site. Um, so yeah, I think that that policing background in particular, that that time spent um, as a detective in the fraud squads really helped me um, unlock that mentality that they leverage. Yeah, sure, without a doubt. And and so fast forward to today, um, correlate to tell me about the business, what it offers, and you know what is your role? How did it all come about? So look, um, we got an opportunity after about ten years with the Woolworths Group um, to look at different opportunities. Um, as I mentioned, consulting was something that always interested me. Um, I like working with a variety of clients. Um, that's always been a, a key joy I've had. Um, and I'd noticed that there's a, a gap in the market currently. There's a lot of retailers out there that are small stores, right? So they're mum and dad, one store, two store, four, five, whatever, smaller chains, up 15, 20 stores. And they didn't have access to a lot of sort of available risk management skills in retail loss uh, or team safety, other than hiring in someone, right? But you know, that one individual at the price point, you might only get quite a narrow skill set, background experience, et cetera. Um, so the, the the offer that we we wanted to put out there and we've, we've started to do is on that fractionalized loss approach, if you like, where we can come in and we can either play a strategy role if you're a bigger retailer to help you find the solutions that fit your unique uh, blend of risk that you've got, because every retailer is different. Um, or it might be if it's on the hospitality side, what are the regulatory risks that you, you need help with? Um, you know, helping with gaming and liquor and um, a variety of other different bits and pieces, or sort of corporate, more on the sort of broad fraud risk, internal fraud and corruption uh, through into supply chain as well. So it's a fractionalized loss capability, right? If you you want us to come in and help solve and build a suite of initiatives for your store or your fleet, great, that's us. 
Um, if you want us just to help you build a strategy and leave it with your in-house team to deliver, we can help you there as well. So it's really as little or as much as you want. Um, but we also bring, you know, we've spent some time developing some tech, which we'll talk about a little bit later, hopefully, uh, that we're you know, bringing to the market in the near future, um, which will be exciting once that uh, once that lands. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. I think, you know, before we came on air, I mentioned to you that this sort of fractalized model within the UK and Europe, we saw it, you know, get traction and a number of um, actually quite big brands that maybe entered a market and had a few stores, got some local expertise. So, yeah, I think you're right to latch on to the opportunity. And, you know, with with fraud and loss getting further and further into all aspects of retail, you know, I can imagine if you are a, a small chain or you know, maybe looking for a strategy to get some help because you are going to be suffering significant and increased losses. It, it's you know, it's a it's a service that's going to be required for sure. And you know, I, I think, like I said before, you know, the 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 realm of experience that you've got, I'd hope you could probably tick most people's boxes, can't you? And they can sort of cherry pick what they need to know. Yeah, absolutely. And look, if we need to, we're supported by a, a, a national network of other um, consultants that we work with. So if there are specific, you know, tiny niches that we need to get into that I don't have, you know, there's there's resource there we can reach out to to bolster and add on as required. Surely not. Surely not something you don't know, Ian, with that remit. So, um, so look, so what takes up your day to day at the moment? So you sit down, you open the laptop, you know, what 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 are people talking to you about is there any sort of trends that you're seeing at the minute yeah look i think um just focusing purely on retail loss because we, you know we do a lot of work on the hospitality side as i said but um just focusing on retail for a moment um the key seems to be these uh this this need to help plug from their perspective the unknown right they go you know we we're losing a bit of money our gp's not there we, we can't understand why and we need some help they don't know what help they need but you know they want some help um, and what I've found is a lot of these stores are, are set up, they might be franchises um, type operating model, um, or they might just be a, a small chain, but they really haven't got any of the core capability. I, I mentioned data before uh, as a key enabler. You know, you ask about what's the loss reporting that you've got, and they're like, you know, crickets, um, eyes glaze over, they're not sure what that is or, or what it should be. Um, but that, that data piece be, to enable you to unlock, well, hey, what is it I'm losing? when am I losing it and what? where am I losing it from in my store? Because there's really only three places that you lose product in a store, right? Either it didn't come through the back door or once it's in your store, it walked out through an external customer, um, be that through theft or some process abuse, uh, or one of your team internally um, have taken it or, or you've you know, maybe you've dumped it or damaged it or whatever, but that's it, right? There's only a limited number of opportunities. Uh, so really the, the work that we're working on at the moment is helping those retailers um, that we've have sought support and help uh, is to one, map the risks that I've got, help them understand where are your key problems. Um, that's generally, you know, some time in store with them, working through with their team on what are the core processes, mapping those different risks through into a risk register. Uh, and then basically within Ideate, hey, look, here's all the different solutions that we can work with you on. Some of those are technology, um, you know, they take a little bit more uh, cost involvement, but they give you a longer term return, a longer um, benefit uh, time-wise. Uh, and then others are just core processes, right? Um, you know, little things like bag checks or signage or um, it, it can be the smallest little thing that they didn't know about, but it's such a small thing and it plays a big part in a criminal's mind uh, about whether they do or don't commit uh, some offending in the store. So that's that's kind of the day-to-day -day is working with those clients. Um, I spend a lot of time writing process um, and as, as mind-numbing as that sometimes can be, 
Um, it's critical. Every retailer is a little bit different on what that process needs to be, but that, that takes up a chunk of our time as well. Cool. And, and so, you know, at the moment, I mean, you mentioned that exciting piece of technology you've got coming. So, you know, what are the specific, I mean, you've said the challenges, but what are the projects you're working on? And it sounds like you're working to deliver or, or make something else available as well for, for clients. Yeah. So look, we've, um, we've been building for the last probably six, seven months, um, uh, some new fleet of, or suite, sorry, of, of products, um, largely in and around facial recognition. Um, and look, facial recs are, are really cool, um, a, a cool technology. Um, I think it's great. It needs the right framework for sure uh, to prevent the abuse from occurring and, and, you know, people know what is and isn't allowed. Um, but uh, the solutions that we're working on are taking that cap- that tech and going, right, how can we ideate that into a way that actually solves for keeping team members safe, right? In a way that's not intrusive, it's not putting the customer at risk, uh, it's not, you know, leading to automatic false arrests. I'm, I'm a big believer that you can't arrest your way out of a problem, right? I, I might be ex-police, uh, but I, I don't believe that's the way, right? Police departments are very over-resourced, uh, sorry, under-resourced and overworked. Um, and, uh, you know, that's not the way. So I think facial recognition, the great unlock is it will allow teams to use the best prevention tool in the world, which is customer service. Um, and, you know, if if I've committed a, a crime or a suspect of committing a crime and that store gets informed uh, when that individual's back in the store, um, a team member coming home and saying, hey, how are you doing? Can I find you a basket and help you do some shopping today? That's all it takes, right? Um, early intervention does two great things. And this is why I love facial rec for the benefits it can bring. It allows you to engage early, um, which means that your team members engaging at a point where they're not at risk. Um, criminals, once they get, they've taken the product, they've got it in their little sweaty little hand and they're at that lease line and they're deciding whether I do or don't actually commit. At that point, they're committed. And that's the point when a lot of retailers engage and that's where you have an escalation into violence. Um, whereas if you can dial that back and get an early once they've just come into the store, all that's going to happen is that individual just turns around and leaves the store because they've been clocked. Um, and that's that's the great unlock for me. It's, it's yes, there's benefits around the fiscal side. It's the team safety that really resonates with me around why I think Facial Rec has a, a great capability in, in retail. Yeah, and uh, I was involved quite a few years ago now, exactly on that early intervention with the um, gaming industry, casino specifically in the US. And if they could recognise a face before the card counter somebody thought was trying to defraud them um even sat at a table on the way in that that greet yeah there was a de-escalation because once they were at a table and there was cash involved an audience would build around it would become a challenging environment so i think you're absolutely right because you know we've seen this escalation of violence against staff so if you're providing a solution that can flip it to customer service i think you know you're pushing on an open door and if you know you can help retailers understand how to use that technology without falling foul of you know bad publicity or you know how you should be handling people's data then then that's got to be a, a good thing and i'm 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 pleased that you're so <laughs> enthusiastic about that and are sort of helping to bring a solution forward so you know it, it can only be a good thing for sure oh yeah look i think there's the, the opportunities there and there's a lot of fear Right. There's a, an awful lot of fear globally about facial rec and abuse. And you know, I look at it and go, OK, it's biometric data. It is. Um, is it a fingerprint? Can you lift it and leave it somewhere that could put someone in trouble? 
not really. Um, but there is some stuff around deep fake videos that, you know, have some concerning aspects. But I think as that sort of evolves around that law enforcement is a very different use case to, to retail. Um, I look at the crime spikes in the US, uh, you know, even Walmart now saying we're just going to start closing stores if we if we can't rein in the losses. Uh, it, it's it's coming to crunch time now, right? The, and this is where technology needs to catch up with with the need and the gap in the market. And I think we're there. It's just about putting the right framework in for them because uh, those poor people in the US, the gun violence they have, um, God forbid we ever get to that point here. Um, but certainly we're, the, globally, we're on that sort of trajectory where if you don't address it holistically, you know, the right deterrence from a, a criminality and um, uh, charges perspective with legislation, um, you know, the right deterrence from a prosecution perspective and the retailers being able to actually step up and do something, um, I think is absolutely key. Um, but yeah, look, really excited. Um, we've got some different versions that will leverage uh, but no one likes cameras hanging around, right? So we've got some really cool stuff coming that's going to leverage some existing uh, hardware and infrastructure that's in the store. It's at the perfect location. Um, I can't talk about it just yet, but it's coming. Uh, it's going to take a piece of existing hardware that's there that no one even remembers is there and turn this into a capability, which is going to be really exciting. Some other stuff that leverages guards as well, um, static uniform guards. Um, and uh, yeah, look, pretty exciting stuff once that comes through. So we're hoping... Uh, here in Australia, it's going to be uh, January, February. We're expecting to get the framework to um, to get the green light for that. So, yeah, very exciting. And we'll come on to perhaps an opportunity where people might see that soon. Now, um, I want to talk to you about you know maybe how you've learned to influence um, the board and, and senior leaders and, and how people can get some of this good stuff over the line. But before we do, um, we're just briefly going to hear from our sponsors and then we'll be right back. For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime, 3X Logic. So welcome back to this week's edition of the Retailers Podcast. I'm, of course, still talking to Ian Blair. Now, Ian, before um, that short break there, you were talking about some really exciting new technology that's, uh, that's coming online and that you might be able to offer into the retail space. But one of the challenges that we hear over and over again is you have somebody maybe in a senior risk position or that's brought you in to help them within a business you know how do you go about influencing senior leaders you know when you know you can help them you know i mean you've worked at the top of numerous retailers within the police you've consulted you know what are your top tips for for getting what you know is the right thing over the line if somebody's sitting there going i'm just not getting the traction or the influence what what are your top tips what lessons have you learned over the years you think for for getting these things going and over the line thanks uh thanks paul and look uh, this is a really tricky one right for those in-house teams um a, a large part of it and i've learned this both the hard way uh through failing <laughs> um and then trying different ways to actually get success which has been good but um if you're lucky enough to have uh, a sponsor uh, within the organization at that senior level who wants what you're bringing you're in you're in that sweet spot um, they will forge and and cut paths that allow you to deliver some of this aspect if you don't have that you need to think a little bit differently and outside of the box and I think that's probably where where maybe I can um, to leverage and some share some insights that I've had successful um, probably the first one is trying to understand uh, and this is hard for a lot of lost people because they're so passionate about what they do right Loss is about saving money and keeping teams safe. 
you know, better bottom line. So everyone focuses on uh, reduction in incident rates, um, dollars saved, uh, safety incident rates. Now, safety incident rates maybe gets a little bit of traction internally. No one cares in IOTA about loss numbers, uh, incident offending, um, you know, core loss prevention metrics just don't resonate well with retailers, right? Um, in fact, I had a, one boss who, in the face of data to the to the opposite, sat there and goes, I just don't think we've got a theft problem. I think this is all process driven. Even though we had mountains of evidence otherwise, they just couldn't see it because they're upbringing their, their viewpoint. They see customers, they look at sales trends. And in that instance, the, the challenge or the key thing is to find a way to influence them that's not talking about loss. Um, it might be a little bit around uh, team safety, but I always try and find a supporter of theirs, right? So someone that can advocate for you, they might be in commercial, that's you're gonna protect the product that's going missing. Uh, you might want to change your language. So stop talking about loss, start talking about, oh, this is gonna help your on-shelf availability, right? Having the products available for the customer, um, it's going to increase your customer scores. Um, in Woolworths Group, they call that VOC, voice of customer. So, yeah, it's going to increase that. Um, or it might be uh, something else and you go, hey, look, um, find the person. If you're trying to influence person A, let's call them George. Try to influence George and you know that Sarah uh, has their ear. Find a way to get Sarah over the line and have them influence the individual you're, you're trying to steer. And I think that's that's been the way that I've done uh, most sort of um, social networking, if you like, or, or, or steering of, of um, delivery within corporations. It even works in police worlds, no different. Um, but it's understanding that, that what you want to talk about, your core data set is not of interest to a lot of people. And then finding a, a sister name topic, whether it's customers, sales, on-shelf availability, something you can support, and that's what you're selling. Um, and you'll see that. And I think that one of the keys I've found is the ability to read a room when you're delivering a presentation. You need to be watching the visual cues, right? Um, there's some great training out there, um, which I've, I've got access to around helping people with those nonverbal communication points. Um, we do some work with Presidium Risk, which has been fantastic in that uh, in that front. And it's, it's critical, I think, to getting some of these things, understanding if you're losing the room, you need to change the language. You need to find something different if you haven't gone through and done your homework and, and found those other people to help influence. Hopefully that sort of answers the yeah, question. Yeah, it does. And, and so, you know, do you think that the, the skill set required from a loss prevention or risk director has shifted over the last few years? Because there was a time yeah, all around the world, it was no disrespect to ex-police or the ex-military, but it was a very set type of character. And it seems that it's, evolves the right word would you agree that that's kind of you know is there a different set of qualities you think people need yeah no there are look i, I think um like in the 10 years uh that i spent within that woolworths group i actively took steps to suppress the fact that i came from a law enforcement background yeah because i i, I saw that that hurt me negatively um people view that and go oh it's just another ex-cop right it's all about arrests and catching people and i'm i'm the opposite of that right i'm I'm all about de deterrence and displacement. Um, find another store. So make my store unattractive so they'll go somewhere else. Um, because one thing is a, a criminal will always offend, right? They're just going to find the lowest and easiest place to do it. Um, and unfortunately, that's that's the reality. 
stopping them from offending uh, in totality. Well, that's something that society has a challenge with more, you know, more broadly. That's something we we don't have any levers to pull on in that space. But um, I think from a leadership perspective, you do need to be more of a retailer. Um, in fact, there's a number of organizations that have retailers leading loss. So they're a retailer at core, but they've got a, the ability to understand that the challenges and concepts. Um, so I think absolutely that old school loss prevention, the ex-copper, black and white, the world, um, the world of black and white is gone. We're in a world of gray. Um, and uh, the, the sort of key skills or um, qualities, I think, that that you need to have are sort of retailing now, understanding how retailing works. Um, it's not really a quality, but it's a skill set you need. Yeah, sure. um, integrity is absolutely crucial. Um, the ability to own mistakes. Um, I've found that's been probably more beneficial than just about anything in my career. If you make a mistake, I had a sergeant that once taught me, just put your hand up, we can help you solve it and fix fix the problem. Um, and I think that's critical. LP teams can be their undoing when they make a mistake, they don't own it and they try and cover it up with something else and then it comes out and then they lose their trust. And then, you know, that once that trust's eroded, very difficult to get back from that. Um, I think that's a, a bit of a slippery slope. But yeah, those people skills, the ability to read a room, and influence uh, as certainly a, a key capability that you want in a leadership team. Yeah, you're right. If there's one department that needs uh, to have the trust of the rest of the uh, organisation, it's the risk and loss team, isn't it? If that goes, I think it's all downhill. Out of interest, and this maybe goes back to when you were retailer side, but I'm guessing it's going to be a sort of driving principle of what you're doing now. Did, did you have sort of one piece of go-to magic, if you like? You know, what if you were sat there going, okay, maybe is where you are now what's the first thing you look at what do you think is the one thing that people need to get a get a grasp and an understanding of if they start to sort of improve their situation absolutely that i mentioned it before data okay you've you've got to have good data right um and it's you can have the data a lot of companies have got it and it's hidden in a myriad of tables in their data warehouse and some of it's on Excel and some of it's clicked. You need to get all of that, get it into one location and model it into some relevant analytics. And um, I'm talking desktop analytics, right? Whether you use Tableau or Click or whatever, Power BI, doesn't matter. But you need something that can take you through so you know what products you're losing and what store. Um, you, you want to know your GP for product range and you want to have something that can help you with range reviews capability, you know, um, you need to understand your, your offender data and then how all of that blends together, right? What is your incident data and your safety data? And, you know, chuck in your, your information that looks at your rostering, because I can tell you that rostering will have an impact on your incident rate from an injury perspective. That will also tie into your, uh, when your loss occurs, because it'll be the low point when, you're, when you have the least team available on the floor, because uh, criminals are clever, uh, right? That's their day job. Right, um, and they'll find those those little quirks that you've got in your people, your systems, or your process. That's the way they do it. So, data for me has been the big unlock. Um, and if you look back, what really helped me deliver in online at Woolworths was uh, building data modeling to uh, I detect and go, okay, when do the deviations happen away from a mainstream purchase of purchasing? Um, you know, that helped us solve and, and bring the online loss under under control. The same in Woolworths Group, as I set up the entire suite of, of data uh, and analytics for loss and reporting so that we can understand what, where, and when. Um, you know, those four, the five W's, as they call it, in, um, in the interviewing world, what, where, when, where, and how, uh, is the H on the end. Um, that's the same thing. Data does all of that. Um, so that's that's the key skill. Not a lot of retailers have it, unfortunately, but that's the go-to for me that you must stand up. 
um, to uh, to unlock those insights. Yeah, I guess you know if you don't know what you're looking for, you've got it makes it very difficult to look for it. <clears throat> so interesting. So huge, you know, raft of experience in. Just out of interest, you know, retail's been going through a tough time globally. You know, particularly you know, Australia as well has got its challenges. What's your take on the future of retail in the next one, three, five years? Are you optimistic? Do you think it's going to be a tough time? Crime's going to be increasing. You know, what, what, what's your sort of, if you were to get your crystal ball that's just out of view of, of our conversation, what's it telling you at the moment? So, look, I think in um, globally, probably far enough away that it's it's outside of my knowledge set, um, other than what I read on the on the press. But within Australia, um, look, we we all kind of survived the COVID period, which we're all now coming out of. Uh, although it's still got lingering issues with uh, impacting resourcing, right? So there's a, still a real challenge to get team and keep them available with um, you know COVID positive tests coming through. Um, but the future, look, I, I think retailing will survive. Um, the next twelve to twenty-four months are going to be a real challenge. Um, if you know everything I'm reading and seeing globally is talking about uh, recession. Um, if that happens in the US, you know what they say, US gets a cold, everyone else gets the flu. Well, they're, they're talking about an actual entrenched recession. Um, they're talking that the UK is probably already in it. Um, Europe, not far behind. So I think globally, there's a there's that recessionary risk that's definitely going to come into play here. Two things happen when you have a recession. People get out of work. Uh, you're going to have an increase in crime. Um, and I think the key for, for retailers there is that a lot of them miss this it's not just external loss that increases, it's your internal as well, because guess what? Most of our team that work for us have a partner. Now they may have their job, but their partner may have lost theirs. So um, I think that's a, a key one that I've seen missed in past recessions is it's more, more broad than, than they realize when the losses start occurring. So I think definitely recession loss is gonna go up, organized retail crime. Look, that's, that's gonna continue to be um, a challenge. We've had some great growth with Aura. Um, and you know the insights that that can help unlock, um, but even there, and I think you know that then requires the police to do their bit with the retailers. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm not a fan of um, of arresting your way out of a situation, which is why I think retailers need some levers to pull on themselves. And and look, I think with with the technology that's coming in the facial rec space, I think that's going to be a big unlock in the next three years. Marketplaces, I think, is going to continue to grow as well. Um, so e-com will, will continue to grow, just not at a growth rate that it's uh, it's seen through through uh, pandemic periods. Um, but I don't see retailing dying off, not at all. Just going to go through a challenging couple of years. Yeah, sure. And I think you're right. You know, the, the whole e-com piece will settle down to a more steady growth after its sort of, uh, you know, curveball of, of COVID. Now, look, Ian, um, very excited to say in a few weeks' time, uh, you'll be speaking, hosting a roundtable for us at Retail Risk Sydney at the Accor Stadium, the Olympic Stadium. Um, what can people expect uh, on that day from you? What are you going to be talking about and sharing? Um, thanks, Paul. Look, I, what I really wanted to, to do here, and as while we spoke about it and came up with the, with the idea, was to kind of give a bit of a, a Retail 101 on loss, right? So uh, if there's small mum and pop store owners, franchisees that have one, two, five stores, whatever, they want to can get a basic understanding of the methodologies behind crime. You know, those three pathways that loss occurs within your within your business. And then understanding the fraud triangle or the crime triangle that needs to exist. Once you get that locked in your head, you're actually a large part of the way there 
to enable you to see your store differently. Um, and you might start seeing some of those opportunities to uh, to display some of that loss elsewhere and, and prevent those uh, losses occurring to your bottom line. But really, it's just a, a bit of an introduction, uh, introduction to loss for those smaller chains and franchisees that here's some of the pathways, give them some, some free tips and ideas on things to look for. Um, one of those is, is data, get some modeling, get some data in there. Um, and then, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to it actually, because uh, if there's clients there that um, want to dig a bit deeper on the day, happy to happy to talk with them one on one. Um, but really, it's just about sharing more broadly some of that knowledge that we've brought um, and help them with the basics of, uh, of loss and, and how it works in a retail environment. Yeah, I think really well needed and uh, so pleased that you're going to be sitting down and sharing that information. So thank you for that. Um, Ian, it's been amazing. I will look forward to seeing you in person on the 9th of February, isn't it, at Retail Risk Sydney? So uh, very, very exciting that you're going to be there uh, for that. But for now, Ian, it's been an absolute pleasure. I wish you every success as you grow the business and, uh, and we'll see you in a few weeks. Thanks, Paul. Looking forward to it. Appreciate your time today.